Welcome to episode uh, 33 of the Pro Painted Podcast. Yeah, uh, a little bit of a change in format <laughs> this time. What we're going to do is um, we're actually going to do some listener questions. We'll do a bit of focus on it. Um, it has been a few weeks since we recorded, so it's been three weeks. So we'll keep the momentum going. Um, obviously, I'm home a lot, but you two, uh, as key workers, um, are obviously keeping yourselves very busy with with what's going on. Um, and we had planned to do an episode a little while back, so we've actually we've got some listener questions on um, on record. If you would, I've had a little note going for a while. Um, so I thought, you know, we'd just go through those. But um, you know, we'll do the usual. Um, Rob, uh, you're joining me. How are you? You, you good? I'm good, thank you, Matt. Very, very busy, as you alluded to. Um, you know, trying to do my best to flatten the curve and, and, and not actually interact with people in work. And me and Ian were just saying how... By flatten the curve, do you mean you, your cock kind of leans one way or the other? Does it lean up? Because <laughs> I bet that's really annoying. <laughs> I can't remember. You know, people say, oh, do you dress to the left or the right? It's like whatever... Whichever way it just, falls when I pull, pull my boxes up, do you know what I mean? I think that's it. I, think that's I haven't got a preference. Do you just dress up? Yeah. <laughs> tuck, it into the, tuck it into my belt. I just peeking over like a little fleshy acorn. Um, yeah, no, I'm good, thank you. Really busy. It's um, it's quite nice to be driving about because the roads are, are clear and the weather's nice. and Yeah, it's all good, but um, it's uh, just means I'm knackered when I get home and sort of haven't got much energy to do much else so it's uh, a bit light on sort of hobby motivation over the last week or so but still chonking away when I can that's a shame not making them making the best of the uh, premium uh, Pornhub subscription offer at the moment then no unfortunately not no I, I uh, didn't know that, that was a thing <laughs> um, maybe, maybe maybe one to add to the itinerary when we do our next Zoom conference school we can all uh, enjoy the, the benefits of that together maybe nothing like a bit of a nice unsecured zoom meeting no exactly <laughs> been hit with loads of data breaches and stuff like yeah, yeah. saying that people were having because you know obviously you're a sales guy so you can have those yeah. when you're doing a zoom meeting maybe you've got a client on or a potential client you can have, you have that little side chat you can talk away with the other people in the group and uh, people came away from presentations and that chat that it just went dump and it just dumped that private chat with whoever's hosting the conversation with just everybody that was in the chat. Oh, really? <laughs> Everyone's like, ah, oh, fuck. Fucking hell. There's that one, you see that one, there's that, it would be really, really quick, because I know Ian's gagging to, for his intro, but there's that quick, there's that clip of that Zoom uh, meeting where uh, everyone was pranking the, the host, saying, uh, making out that he was on mute, that he couldn't hear him. And, then, and his partner was on the line as well. And he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to FaceTime Vanessa, like his side chick. <laughs> and then he, uh, everyone was like, yeah, we can, we can actually hear you. We're, we're just pranking you. We're, and, just, uh, we're just winding you up. Yeah, that ended that relationship. <laughs> so, uh, yes, happy days. All good. Thank you, Matt. Good, good. And we've got uh, we've got an Ian Gilmore writhing around in the background. <laughs> yeah. See you up there. That's exactly what I'm doing. All greased up and ready for action. <laughs> I don't. I don't see you as a sea otter. I see you more as a. Oh, what, what, I think just a small seal. Stoat. A stoat. What's a stoat? <laughs> I don't even know what a stoat is. It's like a like a pine martin, like a ferret. I don't know what a pine martin. I don't know what a ferret is. Yeah, it's like oh, a God. ferret. This is Rob's yes. wildlife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Springwatch with Rob Ellis. Yep. I'll be up your toes leg with a moment's hesitation. <laughs> oh, I bet you would as well. 
So, uh, how are you coping Fantastic. with everything? Uh, you, you've you've hit a, a bit of a landmark. We're not going to go over a hobby too much, but you hit a bit of a landmark recently. I have, yeah. I've um, finished the Witch Elves, which is the two years ish of painting. 40 witch elves and they've just finished say, yeah. their... no, not finished the witch elves unit oh yeah, yeah well i finished yeah i mean yeah. i mean rob <laughs> not as I mean, and, by fin- and by finished i mean not based um i need to do some transfers and what, i'm going to do uh, uh no on the banners i'm going to use some transfers on the banners and um i'm going to use the spot color red and i'm going to do blood spatter on the weapons at the end, so I get quite. Um, Which blood splatter uh, are you using? I don't know. Yes, yeah, like probably like eighteen months away. So fuck knows. Um, would be space blood splatter by then. It could, yeah. I'd still recommend the old, the old school Tamiya clear with a little bit of yeah. purple ink over, over GW. Just want to get that in there over the GW stuff. It's just, it's just so nice. Yeah. Yeah, I use both. So yeah, so. We'll do that at some point, but um, yeah, I can move on to um, a, a slightly different type of the same model now. <laughs> gonna... So what? So what is that kind? Kind? Can it kind of? Yeah, I'm gonna do. Uh, yeah, Canaries. I think they'll be. Yeah, one of them, the ones with the masks, whatever they called. Um, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So yeah, so yeah. Sweet. Hit hit a milestone. Yeah, that's all. That's, that's awesome. Well, I mean, to be honest. Which elves painting to a high standard is is great. I mean, to be honest, I can't really say I've seen many. I know I know Jimbo's. Um, um, he's got his his witch elves. He's been well, his daughters. He's been working on. He's got a lot of. Um, what just is there a camera going? Someone just take a photo of their cock. Oh yeah, just take a screen grab or something like with my iPad. Brilliant. Um, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, Witch Elf is one of those armies where I think they've been so good on the table that they've kind of suffered from the st- <laughs> the speed you haven't shown to get them done. So yeah. it's, it's it's good to see some nicely painted ones. I don't think there's, there's there's a great great many examples of that, and they are very nice. So when they're based, it'd be great to get us some photos to share with people because I guarantee you, people would like to, like to take a look at that. Yeah, yeah, it's a awesome plan. Um, well, so, yeah. my own hobby very quickly. I've um, been really boring because I spent three weeks painting five more Death Riders for my Bone Reapers. Um, and I've already done five, and they look exactly the same. So, there's <laughs> not really, there's like, no one cares about progress photos. Nobody cares that I've just done five models that are exactly the same as the other five I've done. So, yeah, that's that. That's, that's literally been my three weeks. Sweet. Right, it make you feel better. I finished <laughs> one pink horror in the last since we last recorded. I mean, I've got I got a lot of the others up to number four. Know, close to finished, um, but they kind of my my brushes took a dump on me about a week ago, and I kind of felt a bit ragey after that. Yeah, uh, I managed to clean them and stuff, and they're they're okay. But my one just that might be in order. It's a pain, isn't it? Because if you, if you're if you're if you're painting, thing is the, the the problem. I don't know whether they've um like if they've got a particular shelf life or if it's just you know how much you use them. Does that make sense? Like, do they like yeah. will they deteriorate at a rate even if you don't use them? Do you mean like the glue and the ferrule and stuff like that? Maybe or I would say the yeah. I don't I, know. 
from from experience, I would definitely say yes. Because they haven't painted a lot, Matt. Let's be honest. Have <laughs> no, they? no. Do you know what I mean? Like they've done, they've done me a couple of armies. They have. No. Do you know what I mean? They, if, they haven't. If you consider the amount of um, paint that actually sits on the brush at times, you know, sometimes you haven't washed out your water, your your paint water quick I enough, every, yeah, often yeah. enough. And that means that you're just you are literally washing your brushes in water, which has already got the pigment in that you're trying to get out, and that's all just going to get clogged up in the brush. And that's what it. From my experience, it's about paint getting into the brush, not just the ferrum, but just getting in the bristles, um, really, really getting in there and drying out. And I think just extended use um, is is a big thing personally. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there is any. There's no hard or fast rules. Certainly, I notice the difference between a GW brush and um, the Rosemary Co., which I use as my as my standard brushes. Um, I mean, my GW brushes last sometimes weeks, um, months if I'm lucky, and I tend to use yeah. the more robust brushes that they offer um, nowadays. I must admit that they're um, brushes and stuff. My my, my sort of my almost like me the old faithful and i've, I've only had I've, i brought a second one just to, just ever in case i needed a second one but um the m- one of my favorite brushes that i've ever used and i've got windsor newton's you know miniature the miniature series and the normal series i've got these um the Raphael ones and i've you know all different brands that i've tried and the art of the excess extra small artificial lay, artificer yeah. layer brush it's probably the best. I mean, that's the one that I use for like the striations, you know, like the really, really fine stuff. And that's that's never let me down. I guess that's probably you know because it is doing so little pigment, it's very thinned out because of the highlight, you know, the edge highlighting. That's probably why it's lasted as long. But my I sort of I find that. I'm yeah, my my that. sort of my workhorse brush, like my size one that I sort of do most stuff with, is uh is starting to um. Gets a bit puffy. Does that make sense? Like we went, yeah. like the bristles sort of puff out, don't sort of go to their point anymore as much. But yeah. Anyway, listen to questions. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, with paintbrushes is something we've 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 talked about numerous times. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out. Just say um, three weeks on, um, myself running Pro Painting Studios, uh, Mercer Miniatures, and Curtain Games are all fully operational at the moment. Well, as operational as we can be. Um, I've been doing some custom work for people recently, which has been pretty ace. So if there's anything you're after, drop me a message. Um, what I am, what I will say is, I'm not doing any new. I want to keep the business open, but I don't want to be pushing too much um, new business just to kind of reduce our exposure to, to shipping concerns going to the post office and things. Because um, unfortunately, I am asthmatic. Um, I've had some quite serious attacks recently, so I have to be a bit more carey, uh, careful. Um, so there's no new products, but when we're all back to normal, I'll be throwing them all out. But it's not like there's new army books coming out at the moment, right? Um, but if anyone has an idea of something that's really cool, drop me a message. I'll, I'll gladly have a look at that. Um, actually, my email, I don't think I've ever mentioned it before, is just propainterstudios at gmail.com. So, you know, do get in touch. I'm happy to chat. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah. So we'll crack on to some um, so some listener questions. I've tried to make a note of um, the people that have asked them, and the most of people who have just um, hit us up on Twitter. Um, so first one is um, Alistair, who I don't know if you guys have actually met yet. I, I don't haven't think met so. him. I, I, I'm back and forth with him on Twitter quite a bit. Yeah. But, um, yeah. 
I've met him in person. He's been to a couple of events now, which is, so it's just it's just nice to put you know the people we chat into on social media, yeah. put a face to the names, and he's he's a good lad as well. Um, and his question is kind of a bit, little bit of a preamble as well. He said he's uh, he often thinks his models look all right uh, when I finish painting them, but as soon as I hit the board, they look totally washed out and dull. What should I be doing differently? Pushing my highlights or contrast further? I can um, answer this one. Yeah, I mean, I will quickly say we have kind of chatted about this yeah. previously. I don't know the exact episode. Um, it's quite early on, I it, think. Yeah, but um, it is, it's 100% a thing. Yeah, I think um, one tip that I um, picked up along the way, I can't remember who it was. I'm sorry Probably if, me. if I'm miscrediting it no it wasn't it was someone that was good at painting um i'm joking no i I, (laughs) no it was it was either um i think it might have been when i went to the tommy saw class because i i had a bit of a sit down with him afterwards uh after he'd done the main class some sort of um like fanboying over all his lovely miniatures but also trying to pick his brains for a few bits and bobs it might have been him and if it wasn't i'm sorry if i'm getting the, the credit for it wrong but um, one one good way to see if you're happy with the contrast and the high, edge highlighting on, on your miniatures is to take a photo of it in black and white. Um, uh, and then, obviously, because that knock, just completely knocks the colour away and any kind of effect that any sort of source lighting or um, ambient lighting will have looking at it, it will just... It will literally reduce it to contrast levels, um, and that, that's that's quite a good way of seeing if you've pushed something high enough. It's certainly what I've done with um, Bellacore. Obviously, I'm, I'm sort of upscaling him slightly. Obviously, I'm not doing really, well. No, but you know, just after you know, after the feedback that I had, and you know, is it it one big thing. It's it something that we spoke about before with the um, with my Sylvaneth army, wasn't it? Was that it, it was you know. Yeah. nicely painted and the blends were good it's just it, you know even looking at it now it, yeah it just it, it could do with pushing and sometimes it feels especially the, the problem is is and this again we me and ian it was something that i mentioned about ian's old house and his shit lighting there and why his why his stuff popped so well is because he was because he was painting under not as good a light you know the you know where when you're painting under like one of these really fancy daylight lamps and all the rest of it, you can look at it under that and think, yeah, that pops really really well. But then when you move it away under normal strip lighting or whatever, then it won't. And it's always sort of almost you've got to almost move it away from the and and sometimes when you're doing when you're doing highlights, you're thinking I'm, I'm probably it, this looks a little bit off because I'm pushing the highlight a bit too much. Um, and I, I found the real key, and it, it were, I think it works well on the horrors, is that final highlight can be, I mean, the top highlight on the horrors is in little dots of white, but the, it's it's full grim pink, which is the GW Edge highlight. It was, I think it's a standard paint now, isn't it? They've gotten rid of yeah. like whether something's edge highlight or not, edge uh, paint. No, full grim's gone. No, it's, it's a layer. It's yeah, a layer, layer now, isn't it? it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they've moved it to layer. Um, so they, um, but the sort of the main top line highlights are a mix of foreground pink and white. And the key to it is is getting that last highlight of that brightness as 
absolutely razor thin as you possibly can because if it's too chunky then it will look really out it will it will throw everything else off but if you have it as as really thin so you know i'd say you know pick out you know the sort of kind of tips i guess any those really top lines you know and it's like on the gaunt summoner that i did on the on the real top edges of the folds of the cloak the the um you know it's gone to sort of a mix of blue horror and, and white you know, to really create that hard edge and what that does is that frames the rest of the blending and the highlights it creates like a stop where your eyes stop you know pulls it right up and then that that's what gives you the contrast so yeah it's um photograph it in black and white and um that that you know it's a bit of a trope but make that last highlight as thin and as bright as you possibly can it's an interesting idea it's one i've definitely not come across before um but what the black and white thing yeah not not in regards to kind of checking to see whether you've you've gone high enough um i think my mind's eye it's more about it's, it's sort of checking the overall level of the miniature yeah um i think byron actually might have mentioned it at some point as well i think he, but i'm sure yeah he talked it was about something that he was talking about placement is yeah when, when byron was talking about it with us um i mean my comment would be simply this i mean i've got um you talked about daylight bulbs so the environment in which you paint means the model will only be reflected in the way you painted it in the environment that you painted it in um so if you are sat using a daylight light bulb um your color scheme will look how you want it to look when it's in a scenario whereby it's in daylight which actually if you think about it if you do tournaments, obviously Alistair does, or even something like um, taking it into a GW store to share with your mates or a club, it's, you're not outside. It's not going to be daylight. So actually, the daylight balls can be a bit of a be a bit of a misnomer. Can kind of lead you down a straight a straight path. Um, so I think I've said before, mine. I'm lucky. I can actually flip between daylight and kind of just like a normal fluorescent light. Um, and it makes a massive difference. I actually, I specifically had this with my with my Zinch army. My my test model was painting a uh, Zangor, so I painted the whole model. Um, I was really really happy with it. But what I'd done is I'd left the thing and painted it on my daylight bulb, um, and I actually painted it quite. It was in in the winter, and I came, painted it quite to um, late at night. So it was basically dark. Curtains were down. I came down in the morning. Uh, well, probably afternoon for me, to be honest. Don't really get going until do a little bit later. I'm not a morning person. Um, and where there was daylight, and it just the model looked completely different. Um, it it didn't look as well painted at all, and it was just because I painted it because it, the daylight just softens everything. So you don't you don't necessarily need those stark um, stark highlights. But when you put it under a fluorescent light, um, it it, it it completely changes the look of the model. So, yeah, I mean, I and one thing I've learned is that actually now I used to um, I used to always paint and use uh, Rakarth flesh um, a lot and uh, mix that into my layers. And Rakarth and whatever colour I was using would probably always be my top layer. Um, and it does lead to the models actually just not quite popping as well. Um, and I've gone back to almost the old, well, you know, how I used to paint when I was younger um, and go right up to white or go up to very, very strong white and just add white to the colours I'm using. Sure, it gives you a different look, but if you want something that stands out and that draws attention and that really pops, 
white's the way to go. Yeah. Um, and I think you can if you're not if you're not using white as your top highlight, the answer you can always go you can always highlight more. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and something else that Byron's covered before as well is that if you've got with the way the eye works when you're when you're looking and appreciating whether some, something is well painted, um, you're having a, a really dark recess. So your your shade being a dark and then your top highlight being really light, it kind of tricks your eye a little bit because your eye kind of just stops paying attention to the bit in the middle. It just it almost creates a fake transition that doesn't exist, but your eye just wants to look at it. It looks at the dark, it looks at the light, it sees the colour in the middle and he goes, oh, that's well done. So yeah. that is something okay. it's, it's, it's less noticeable when you go up to white. Yeah, and it's also like it's all going. Yeah, that's spot on because there was one thing that I noticed with the test model that I did with the horror um, when I first when I first started painting the unit way back when I was a boy um, was <laughs> was the fact that the the skin although you know I'd started with a uh, sort of uh, well, a pink horror base and you know, a couple of um, sort of uh, light washes of crimp caribou crimson and all the rest of it done all that. And still, the, the transition in the skin wasn't where I wanted it to be. And I obviously mentioned it a couple of shows back. Actually, dropped in some some um, targeted shading into the very recesses with the incubi darkness, which okay. yeah. you know, um, a, a, you know, a sort of less sort of experienced me would, would never have thought to do. But because it's obviously incubi darkness is on the green spectrum. Um, and obviously, with it, you know, contrast being opposite on the color wheel, which is where color theory. Because when you know, whenever I've sort of thought about color theory in the past, and people have said, "Oh, you know, green contrasts with red and all the rest of it," and you just think of, well, "I don't really want to do that because it ends up looking like a Christmas tree." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, but when when you're taking different tones into consideration, and like you can look at the, like, I, I mean, I probably. Unless you looked and you know looked at the the pink horrors under a magnifying glass, and if I didn't tell you that I'd done a recess shade with incubi darkness, you probably your eye wouldn't be, wouldn't pick it up because it's a natural contrasting colour to the pink, and you just assume that it was a it was a dark shadow. And by pushing that that shadow even further, like you just said, and using a contrasting colour to do it just makes that like you said you, your eye it's like you know the, the, the whole thing like um like purple isn't a color is it it's it's not like on the actual spectrum of color. i think it's purple you you put your um your brain sees it but it's not actually a color it's the same with brown like brown isn't actually a color it's just a shade it's just a a, a more opaque shade of orange um like from a technical standpoint um I think that's right. I read that somewhere recently. Um, Never heard of that before. That's interesting. Yeah, but but working with like color, you know, when you really get into color theory and stuff like that, then it helps with those kind of things. And and that's why when you look at certain things, you think, oh, that looks really good, and that that sort of con- that blend from one color to another looks really natural. Or you know, so what you know, why am I getting those results? It's because the you know using the contrasting colors on the color wheel to create the difference between shadow and light really really does help and it all becomes part of that so like you said it's the eye being tricked into thinking there's a 
a better transition than there actually is because you're using techniques to create that rather than the actual pain itself to make yeah i know you, you know what i'm trying to say but no, no, um yeah, just for our listeners it's all yeah it's just because you know you're unless you're paying something your full attention then it's the impression that you take away from it um yeah and that's why that you know we have conversations about armies that um you know are crowd pleasers and uh, and we use that kind of terminology because they they use these approaches to draw your attention despite the fact they may technically be not be the best painted models you've ever seen because it's the impression that you take away um yeah and it's when you it's when you combine both aspects that's when you get the real stunning paint that's that's the difference and that's you know for people that want to and you know it's been something that i've been trying to do and i'm sure everyone to certain levels wants to you know obviously everyone wants to improve but if you're mate if you're you know been talking to to you know spending a lot of time talking to you know, some of the heavy metal guys you know sort of offline and, and you know obviously people like yeah terry and les and stuff and you guys you know sort of giving all your feedback and everything I really want to push my my painting to another level, and and it's understanding those principles where you can be a you can you can take a heavy metal paint job and sit, you know put it on your iPad and think right I'm going to copy this paint job as best I can, and I've done it in the past and it never quite looks the same, and the reason why you know you think oh well, I've I've edge highlighted I spent ages edge highlighting this this marine or whatever, and it it just never. There's something about it that just never looks quite the same. And it's because these extra considerations, you know, you haven't thought about those extra considerations. There's like Darren Latham's video painting the, we did the series of painting the different legs of space marines to for different colours and stuff. But he was using Inch by Darkness to glaze the, um, the red armour of the Blood Angel um, just on the flat panels to give it a bit of depth. I just wouldn't if I'm if I was painting if I hadn't seen that yeah. I just would never ever 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 it just would never have occurred to me to do it and you know and whether that's been learned you know obviously that's been learned through his experience and been talking to other painters and you know, that's obviously handed down from you know art you know artists and whatnot and, and whatever sort of source material that that technique has been learned from I would never have thought to do something like that and when you look at the effect that it has on a miniature something clicks you think well actually yeah that's that's that looks like an heavy metal paint job now because you're using these extra little sort of techniques and ways of, of going about it and it kind of unlocks a it's sort of it's, you're almost leveling up a little bit i was gonna say it's like an achievement yeah it's like you know and, and you sort of you think then you never you know and that's the one frustrating thing that's the one frustrating thing about um stopping and starting stuff because i've i've learned just by just by painting the pink horrors i've learned a couple of techniques that would have that would help me you know painting previous models and you sort of think oh i wish i'd known that because of that paint job you know it's like with bellicor's skin you know i, I know that i can paint bellicor's i'm not going to go back and repaint his entire skin now i'm not going to do it but there's, you know, looking back and like you think, oh, yourself there for a second. yeah, 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 because yeah. so, I almost put paintbrush to model the other day. But, um, you know, the techniques I learned using the horror skin, because there is a lot of flesh there and obviously Bella calls, you know, there's a lot of flesh on the model. There's a lot of techniques that I've learned painting the horrors that would work really would make Bella calls paint job better. But then I know that I've got Egrim's dragon to paint, you know, at the end, you know, towards the end of the project. And, 
you know, I'm going to take everything that I've learned doing all this sort of stuff and apply it, you know, and I, th- I think that ironically, you know, the Egrim's dragon and Egrim himself will actually be the, probably be the best, you know, be the better painted of the two between him and, and Bellacor. You know, Bellacor might be in people's, some people's minds. It might. And I think of that a lot. Of the... Appeal to them better, but. A lot of what you're saying there comes down to the the army painting aspect, which is at the end of the day, if you're painting an army, I don't think you're ever going to get an army whereby it's painted to the best of your ability. Um, no, you can you learn all the way through standard, it. Which you know, if if you're not painting things um, to the best of your ability, you know, you're not showing any effort. So you're basically in a concept army. So just don't bother. I think that's what we've learned recently. Um, in, in, <laughs> in, I wonder where you go with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ian being somebody who um, has famously been painting in very, very, very bad light. Um, any, any additional yeah. comments, or do you, do you agree with what we were saying there? Yeah, I think it's um, reiterate everything that you said. I think it's if you are painted under a good light, you need to look at it under a bad light, um, just to confirm what it actually looks like in you no, know, yeah, non non perfect conditions. Um, and push the highlights up to white or thereabouts generally, um, the or for metals to generally be aiming for silver, like yes. bright silver. Um, I think yeah, t- the way I've looked at it, sorry to interrupt, is um, I myself looking at it nowadays is if I ask myself this, does this highlight need to go further? The answer is yes. Yeah, it's normally a shade further than you would think it is. Um, and it doesn't have to be. It's it's like a. Can you use um, like sometimes it's like the the right highlight color to make it pop, isn't something you would naturally think of. Because I use on red a lot. I use rat skin flesh. Oh okay. Which yeah. which is quite a nice orangey orangey flesh. Before darker darker reds, it's quite a nice poppy. It's not orange, so it doesn't, doesn't shift it to tone the spectrum. Yeah. But it's not pink either, so it's kind of quite a nice, like mid, um, almost like neutral, but it just makes it. Yeah. A so lot yeah, of the, um, a lot of the uh, top stuff on the like there, I think you're using ungore flesh, which is very similar. Yeah. It's probably a little bit, it's a bright, bit bright, like, it's like it's skin yeah. tony, isn't it? It's like that sort of skin, that, that muted kind of skin tone, rather than highlighting a red up to white, which like pushes it into the pink it's spectrum pink, more. Yeah. You know, so, um, so yeah, probably the red is the the only colour that you need to avoid adding white to things because it does turn things pink. Yeah, yeah, there are there are examples. I would say you can go yeah, to that's... you can go to white or very close. It's... It tends to be um, adding white or yellow. Yeah, because um, similar with um, if you add either to green. Or um, you get very different tones at the high end. For sure. Um, so yes, I would say generally either white or yellow. Generally, um, with metals up to silver, and look at things under shit light while squinting at them. <laughs> so to summarise, as they just look at your models under shit light while squinting at them. Yeah. There we go. No, nothing more needs to be said. Um, so next one's a little bit more of a vague question, but I, I think I think I get what he's asking. So a guy called Mart on Twitter said, "What well, asked? How do you like to do the base materials and colour?" Um, so I mean, I'll summarise my thoughts on basing uh, very quickly in the contrast. I know 
like having bases whereby the model looks like it would exist in that environment works i get it i fucking love bases that contrast so if you've got black model white basing if that makes sense that's that's how i i like basing um if you're gonna use cork it's very popular try and tear it up snip bits off cut it so it doesn't look like a piece of cork stuck to a base um and i use um just different combinations of things um so cork's a great thing to use um slate i think slate's coming back into um into fashion nowadays um and also you can do a lot with polyfiller um so wall filler material you can use that to create a shape on your base to bulk it up to raise things um and a nice mix of sands don't just use fine sand get a couple of grades of sand mix that together and use that it just makes it look a bit more natural and a bit more interesting um those would be i think we might my key things with basing and if you're really struggling and you don't know how you're going to base something do snow that should be the yeah. default if you want nice looking bases just do some snow yeah yeah snow is good i like well, no rob hates it but i like a good snow base oh, do you hate a bit of snow um, do you rob i'm not a fan oh. sorry my zinch mm. let you down that's all right um they're, they're out, on, out on a trot in the in the in the winter's winter snow were they what is inch yeah yeah in 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 mirrorland in mirrorland where it's always snowing yeah. <laughs> well, i had all the little mirrors on my bases didn't i i, I know yeah you i mean you you went above and beyond um but no i, I think um just to add to because it's something actually that uh I think we spoke about it on the last episode that I kind of was in, I'd hit a bit of a, a writer's block as it were, or creative block um, with what block. I wanted to do for, yeah, for my, for my basing. And, you know, we mentioned about uh, hacking up the, the new, what are they called? Shattered temple things for the, for the new Stormcast, um, yeah, yeah. The, the shattered dominion thing, not shattered dominion, but the yeah, the dominion. Of Sigma, shattered, dominion. dominion. shattered dominion is the old one, isn't it? Is it? The new ones are the dominion of Sigma, maybe. I think. Un- anyway, unshattered so, dominion of Sigma. Yes, that's the one. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, it's, it's kind of you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do. I think there's a. Um, it's quite a, you know, perhaps I overthink too much. I, I overthink things, which I don't think I overthink things. I know I overthink things, but with, with, especially <laughs> yeah, with bases. Yeah. Um, you know, have, having a narrative that informs what, what you want to do can make your decision a bit better. Um, so you can sort of almost, you can find a theme based on that. It just helps narrow things down. But again, um, you want to have either something that directly contrasts or something that is neutral um that will have enough detail on it that you think okay well that looks cool but it doesn't draw attention away from the miniature itself so with the um and you know you've got to think of color schemes and stuff like that i mean obviously with my zine charming with a lot of the units being you know different colors and whatnot they're all but the, the sort of the one thing that they are all going to be is bright colors so you want um like a perhaps some and, you know they haven't got a lot of um, shiny armor and stuff like that. You know, they're not stormcast, obviously. So, the base being a, 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 a ruined stormcast temple, you can have a lot of muted rock tones and um, like uh, rubble tones. But you're also going to have the stuff picked out with like the gold on the trim of a lot of the shattered dominion stuff, um, the skulls and the inlay on the rubble, 
is going to be like a. It's not going to be a bright gold, which is the same gold as on the on the on the siege stuff. It's going to be a retributor armor with quite a heavy wash, you know, because obviously it's ruined. It's going to have been there quite long, so it's going to be a darker gold. Um, and yeah, so. You know, have, having that and, and it, you know, having a, a certain, I think a, a key thing is to have a certain level of interest, but not as not enough that takes it away from the model itself. Obviously, it's a little bit different when you go into display stuff with diorama bases. You've really got to start thinking about composition then in that uh, area about where you want the um, your eye to be drawn. Um, you know, there's a lot of tips and tricks that you can do with bases to draw the attention to certain points of, of the miniature itself uh, something that I learned um, whilst looking into um, doing some you know potentially doing some uh, like painting entry models um, and and that's that's quite an interesting sort of rabbit hole to get down but if you're looking at armies specifically something that's straightforward and easy to do is key as well because you don't want to be there you know, for ages doing your bases, but um, yeah, having something neutral that contrasts, but potentially, um, yeah, I think I think the one thing that the, the, you know the big thing that kind of let my well didn't help necessarily with the with my Sylvaneth army was the you know they're all green and the bases were green with green tufts, you know, um, like you said about this stuff looking, you know, it was it was meant to be, you know, they're in the woods, they're from the woods, they're in the woods and they're all hiding in the woods, so they should all be the same colour. But you know that's great on paper. But when it comes to displaying army, you know if they were on sort of more sort of rubbery kind of, you know, they see the sort of moss-covered temple type stuff. I think that probably would have helped with the army's overall look as well. So um, yeah, definitely sort of have a look. And Pinterest is quite a good one. Putting model bases into Pinterest and just. You know, save as many sort of pictures for inspiration as possible. There's loads of companies out there that do pre-done bases for armies. Um, yeah, and stuff. No, I agree with that. What about, what about you, Ian? Any 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 hints? Any tips? And to be honest, I mean, probably a bit unfair because I know you don't actually really like it, do you? No, I don't. Um, I tend to use. Um, I tend you, to use the. Are you Mart? Um. Possibly. Are you sorry to ask the question? <laughs> no. No, I use, um, what I have used in the past quite a lot of different, like, mixed materials. Because I, I, I'm not averse to using, like, a you know, bit of old fashioned flock. Yeah. Uh, static grass. Um, just because it gives it quite a different texture. So it's kind of, if you made to make something looking fairly natural and interesting, mix up the colours and the textures. Yeah. Um, because it just, you know, it breaks up the, you know, if it's a, all going to grey, just need like a bit of green here and there, even if it's in small amounts. Just, you know, just creates the illusion of it more more happening than actually you've done the work for. Um, the other thing, which is slightly different, like the opposite to the contrast is if, if you're aiming for a overall tone for a model, then if you got like if like if you got a very light blue or cold blue like model, mm-hmm. you might want to go with a snow base for that and have an overall look for the model as cold. Yeah, I mean, it, which it, it which works, work, yeah. but 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 it's quite a 
So it's quite a different mindset because you got to go for the whole palette almost. Like, yeah. To, and I think for it to work, as it, if you don't do it. Sorry, I was going to say, I think it's one thing that becomes very important when you do that is the textures need to be very different as well. Yeah, yeah. So it can be, um, yeah, it's different textures and it's almost like a, you, it's got to be done with the the idea that the whole thing is going to be done in a certain palette. It works quite well with limited palette where the text, where, as you say, the textures are different, but you're only using four or five different colours for the whole model. Um, that's another option, but that's a bit more, um, yeah, just different, different way to think about everything. No, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, I think we've we've given that enough time, so we'll move on to the, the next question, uh, which is um, uh, Sean asking, how does one keep motivation when painting an army to an, e- sorry, an excellent standard? I get a bit done, then I lose interest and batter the rest with a dry brush and wash. Um, Rob, I think you're the one that must be trying to feast on the idea of uh, motivation at the moment. So h- how are you dealing with this this hurdle at the moment? Uh, not very well. Um, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Anyway, right, next question. Yeah. Um, no, I, don't I think ask, don't it comes, me, I don't comes and goes. Well, no, I think I, like part of the, like, you know, I'll paint, say, right, I've got, for example... I've got five horrors now done. Sorry, four horrors now done fully. Uh, one that's like an evening's work away from being done, and then another that's probably, well, two that are probably an evening each away from being done to the sort of high standard that I want them to be. Um, just get bored, mate, of painting the same shit. Um, <laughs> you know, I want to, I just want to, you know, but then I know that now I've got a, you know, it kind of, you just got to do it at your own pace, you know, like, and you've got to under, I think that, you know, and I think I'm pretty sure I'm terrible for sort of back referencing stuff that we've probably already talked, spoken loads about, but, you know, it's, it's very important, you know, very important conversation I had with Ian, um, around sort of Christmas time, I believe it was, fuck, that long ago, it's almost May, um, was, you know, if, you know, if you think to yourself, right, I want to, you know, painting an army, sitting down and going, right, I'm going to paint an army, a full army, you know, with loads of conversions and whatever, to the absolute, not the absolute, absolute best, because, you know, the, the horrors, are, you know, they're, they're done to, I, I like to think to, if I was to sort of grade my stat, my sort of ability, I think, I think they're probably an eight of my ability, you know, if okay. you sort of think, right, okay, you know, I, you know, they're not tens because you know that'd be you know they're not because I just haven't lavished that much extra attention on them. But you know, the Gaunt Summoner and Bellacore, you know, for when they were painted, are tens. Do you know what I mean that? I don't think I could have painted them at the time any better than they're painted. And certainly, Egrim's going to be a ten as well, hopefully. Um, but you know, if you're going into a project like that, thinking right, everything's going to be an eight plus, you know, you've decided that you want to paint an army to a certain level and that level is, you know, I want everything to at least be an eight out of 10 on sort of your own personal scale of ability. Then you just got to understand that sometimes you're not going to have the motivation to do it. And you've got to almost allocate your, you've almost got to bake that in to the time scale that you give yourself to do it. 
Yeah. You've got to understand, you know, you can't look at, um, you've almost got to, if you're planning out your project, you've almost got to allocate, say if you, you've got, say for instance, now you've got a project, you think I'm going to pay everything to at least an 8 out of 10, I want to do it in 12 months. You've got to bake in another two months of, those are my two months for losing motivation. <laughs> yeah, sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you've all, you've, you've got to consider, you know, every factor that, will, you know, if you find, if you're a person that finds yourself losing motivation or that, you know, that you found that you've lost motivation in the past and, or, you know, you, because you are painting to such high standard, you get frustrated and, and whatever, you know, like myself, you know, I've, you know, I've got to understand, I've got to think to myself, right, okay, well, I'm not going to, this is supposed to be a hobby. It's supposed to be enjoyable. I'll paint them when I want to paint them and when I'm in the mood to paint them. I'm not going to force myself to do something that, I'm, that I don't want to do. And, but the, 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 the interesting thing is, is there's very rarely something, there's very rarely a time when I'm not in the mood to do something that will contribute towards finishing the army. So the other day, I just wasn't in the mood for painting, but I, I've got to have. I'm having. I've got three screamers in the army, so I built three screamers. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to. I want to do five chaos warriors, sort of zinch them up a bit. You know, I dug out. I all I did was I, I built three screamers and then just dug out a load of bits that I felt will be cool when it comes to converting the zinch chaos warriors because I know I'm going to have to do that at some point. So why not do it? You know, rather than do nothing towards getting the project completed, do something. You know, do something, even if it's looking at inspiration for bases, because you haven't exactly nailed your basing scheme yet. Even if it's doing a couple of, you know, doing a couple of trial bases just to get to the point where you're really, really happy with a certain basing scheme, rather than crossing that hurdle later on down the line. You know, do something to contribute towards that project getting done it might not be finishing off that particular unit what i would say is try not to paint anything else before that unit is finished simply because you don't want to have i mean it's, it's, it's me not listening to my own medicine so i've got a load of i've got like the zangor and light at the half painted the 20 karak acolytes are half painted um egrim's half painted um but what I found, you know, the lesson I learned from that is, yeah, I've got, you know, loads of models that I can go back to and, you know, they're, they're not completely, I'm not starting them from scratch. But at the same time, you know, are they going to end up looking a bit janky because, you know, you've, you revisit stuff like I want to get this, I, I won't paint anything until this, this horror unit's painted because I don't want five horrors to look, you know, different to, the other five horrors that I've done. So try and do something towards completing the project, but not necessarily painting. That makes sense. No, absolutely. I I would definitely say that's very key. Um, uh, I think pla- planning really helps. I mean, knowing knowing and quantifying. We we kind of mentioned this a little bit before, but knowing and quantifying what you want to do. So if you're saying I want to paint an army to an excellent standard, and I think that's a great way of phrasing it as well. Not my best standard, not my top standard, but an excellent standard is make sure that's what you want to do, that you can do it, um, that it's feasible. Do you have a goal in mind? Is it going to be raw later this year, for example? Um, 
and also look at the army that you're painting and how you're going to be approaching it you know it it's a lot easier to paint an army say um say like uh, beast or raiders for example because you can lavish your attention and time on one of your monsters and when it's done you've done a quarter of your army so sometimes make sure the project fits what you realistically could be able to achieve have you done it before uh, is a big thing have you have you painted an army to a standard you consider excellent if you haven't have you painted an army before to a standard you consider high if you haven't maybe consider painting an army to a good standard and then you need to build up from it if you really want to paint something really well my advice would be you need to get the experience get your head in the right frame because i mean talking about my bone reapers i i waned in motivation um from people pissing and moaning about bone reapers being broken um about the way that some people make comments about the army itself um the people gave me feedback that i i didn't didn't want it didn't fit it's really easy to create reasons to lose motivation uh, and one of the things that i find is key is absolutely key is if you know you're capable of doing this reasonably is exactly what rob said is you don't stop don't stop working on the army but i would go one further and say always make sure you're putting some pain on something at some point, don't have any gaps. So even if it's a case you just say, look, I'm just going to wash this one model. I'm just going to do these spot highlights. I'm just going to do, you know, I'm just going to base coat this. Do something. Um, assembly and stuff, I think, is fine. Um, but I think it's the painting. You need to keep that almost muscle memory of Because what happens is you go, right, I'm just going to base coat these guys today. Then next I'm going to just going to wash this guy. And then I'm going to wash this guy. And suddenly you've got the crap stuff because we all know when you're painting an army there's bits that you just don't like I've, I've said i've done these five death riders going through that process of doing the spot washers three three layers um on the bone on horses and men which are all bone um five models it's it's laborious it's n- it, be, it is not a fun process because I, i've already done it i'm somebody who doesn't overly enjoy painting but I did it over three weeks, which is longer than I did before. Uh, I did them in possibly a week because I knew it was laborious and I had to just go, right, today's goal is I'm going to do this wash. And then the next day I'm going to do the next wash. So motivation really is, it's all down to you. Um, But also share with your peers or people you consider your peers how you're getting on with your army and make sure they know what you're doing um because you want feedbacks again feedbacks will be relevant to your army um and I would, I would always set yourself a goal like rob says and make sure it's realistic um you know don't don't give yourself you know I, i've actually done this recently I, i'm sat here with my last models for fetty for the month i've got more tech crawler to paint before the end of the month and it's jen's birthday on tuesday and we're going to be celebrating at the weekend so you know it's you you need to make sure your plan is solid and we fuck it up all the time everybody always does um or about you ian obviously you're you are four years into an excellent army standard (laughs) any any tips you found um the it's like what you said about the excellent sort of aiming for an excellent level i think excellent depends on what type of army it is like an excellent level on a horde army versus an excellent level on a elite army could be wildly different. It's kind of, yeah, uh, because kind of, because, kind of what I was be, at, because it can be um, it's fairly you know to be able to 
the time taken to get a Horde army finished, getting it to the top end of anybody's ability, it does take longer. Um, I would, my general advice for most people is do what you don't want to do first. Um, so what do you think is going to be the most laborious time sort of sink and monotonous and soul-destroying part trying to get out of the way at the beginning when your enthusiasm is the highest um, and, and and leave what you want to do to the last thing. Um, yeah, that's I, think, my, I think that's my, generally my, a good rule of thumb. That's, yeah. Um, I'm very... I'm quite different to from both what you say um, because I can leave some a project for months and come back to it and pretty much pick up with exactly the same um, the ones I painted the which I painted two years ago pretty much look exactly the same as the ones I painted now. Um, sure, that's that's fine. But, but to, clear, to clear what but, I was but, saying, it's more about keeping the motivation going. If that makes sense. But the, the, the motivation for me is having a break and painting something that didn't. In a different color, right? And then, okay. and then, and then, and like something totally different. Um, even though you're doing the same, literally the same motions, yeah. because it's a different color, it feels like you're doing something totally different. Sure, fair enough. And and then come back to it, and you're like, all right, I'm bored of painting red now. I'll go back to green. Yeah. Um, which is very psychological, I think, because it's literally sounds mental because it's um, you know you're doing the same thing just with a different color. Yeah, um, it's, it's it just feels the reward of variation, isn't it? Yeah, um, so I think yeah, doing either random one-off models or sometimes having like more than one project on the go helps. So you can flip back and back and forth between them. Um, as long as you're moving forward with something, I don't think it's a problem. So yeah, sounds that's a that's a bit shit, really, isn't it? But no, it's not at all. It, it, go, but, it goes to show that you know, mine and Rob's answer isn't necessarily the right answer for everybody yeah um, because it, i think you can i've done it before where i've worked to a deadline and i've just this is only what i've done is paint one army for six months yeah um but then at this point in my like painting sort of hobby time i just don't want to do that because it feels sometimes it feels like a job rather than enjoyment sure um so yeah if it's if there's no time pressure it's just you know do it when you want and then break it up and yeah and I find that the motivation the motivation comes back um, it's generally everything that I I've got the intention of painting everything I own at some point um, but that might be a long way away uh, really you're gonna you're gonna paint everything you own or sell it <laughs> fair enough yeah or sell it I think yeah, it's uh, that that is the dream of being the person who's painted everything they own. I agree. Uh, yeah, that's uh, who knows. I might get there one day. Never know. Uh, but then I keep buying stuff, so it doesn't really help. Um, so next one actually is quite uh, good for Rob. Uh, it's always almost though it's specific for Rob. Any tips for painting true true metallic metals? Um. Yeah. So kind of uh, goes back to what I was saying about contrast at the beginning of the show. Um, and the black and white thing helps um, because when you take a like met- 
true metallic metals are notoriously hard to photograph um, because of the way that the various light will interact with it. Um, a good example is the uh, musician and the standard bearer for my horror unit. Um, you know, even in the videos that I've, I've shared with you guys on the work in progress group that we're on, they don't look, they, I mean, it sounds a bit big but they don't look as good as they do when you're looking at them in real life, simply because of the way that, you know, the metallic pigments work and all the rest of it. So it is really, really hard. Um, I found, especially with Bellacore, um, and it was uh, a, a tip that picked up from the Abbey Metal guys and Gal, uh, Anya, who painted the uh, uh, Archeon model, um, was using um, combinations of using the washes to mix with the um, metallic paints because metallic paints, just by their very nature, are really hard to glaze with in comparison to absolutely, normal yeah absolutely normal paints and that that's the key um and i don't know you know people out there that you know that if you go back on my twitter timeline the the main pictures might you know show the effect but there's a couple of close-up pictures um and i think where it's worked out really well on bella cause um like not i mean the guy really happy with the gold but i think that my best sort of true metallic metal work was done on the like the steel blades on the tips of his wings and on the crown on his head. Um, and you try and, you know, blend, you start off with a, you know, as always, if you, if you, you know, the, the easiest way to blend something is to start off with, you know, as bright a base coat as possible and then blend down uh, your transitions. Cause it's always easier to blend to, from light to dark than it is from dark to light. Um, to start off with the uh, uh, Vallejo uh, Air um, Silver, which is the good. Um, I quite recommend them actually because they're formulated to go through airbrushes. Then they're, they're naturally thinned um, with whatever they thinned them, probably isopropanol, um, rather than water. Um, so that they're naturally a bit more runny and easier to blend, and and by with with the steel blades on like his wingtips and the crown and stuff, um, that was that model air silver with just added um, null null gloss, okay. um, and I, I just added to it uh, and then just blended down uh, a tiny a tiny just to help with the pigment and the opacity. Um, you want just a really high pigment black, just a dot. In it, so I used um, scale seventy five black, um, which is like I mean it's almost Vanta black in its opacity, um, but use a dot of that just to help darken it down a little bit. But the null oil and specifically null oil gloss um, has the um, the surface tension, which will allow you to actually blend with it and glaze or well, not blend, sorry, glaze. So the, the key thing is, is never, 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 never. Well, can do because it might work out for you. But I found that trying to wet blend between, say, Iron Breaker and Rune Fang steel, because of the because of the way that the metallic pigments are in the paint, you'll just automatically it will just start going clumpy. 
then it, it, just the finish won't be there. Um, but starting with like a bright metallic, whether it be, you know, Auric Armor Gold or Liberator Gold or you know, quite a good a quite a good starting point for for gold and, and blending it down. So what I've done with my Zeech stuff is uh, Liberator Gold mixed with a bit of silver just to really brighten it up, to punch it up and then glaze down off the back of that. Um, so yeah, start with a start with a higher base than you'd normally would. Um, use uh, the washes, uh, sorry, the shades that um, GW do because I think as much as some of their other paints get a bit of a knock, um, their, their shades and stuff are, are probably up there with a lot of other companies, if not better. Um, and you know, just use successive sort of glazes of that as you would with a normal um, matte colour. Um, yeah, and, and see so again, like Ian said, finish it off with, you know, regardless of what colour colour you're doing. Obviously, if you're if you're doing a more worn thing, then you can add, add your little chips and scratches and weathering and whatnot. But you know, a bright, nice um, silver highlight to it all, and especially. You know, you want to catch the, the 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 darker areas with the higher highlight, um, and yeah, just I mean, again, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll pop up some um, pictures via the pro painted uh, feed in reference if people want to have a quick look. I'll dig out some of the old uh, work in progress stuff that I did with Bellacore just so you can see a couple of examples. There's one particular picture that sort of shows it off quite well. But yeah, actually mixing in um, the GW gloss shades into metallics. Um, you can always, you know, dull coat them down afterwards to get rid of that sheen if, if that's not what you're after. Um, but just the, uh, the way they're formulated and the tension on them works really well to create glazes for, for true metallics. So it's a little bit of a pro tip there. <laughs> Yeah, very good. I mean, I would say the the metals I've been do, I've been doing recently is actually is inspired by your Bellacore, um, so in the look. So I I took a look at um, the Darren Latham videos on YouTube, um, and again, what he does is it's you know the way that well the way he talks about the way he does is not overly dissimilar to you. I wasn't going to be going around blending everything that that's for sure, um, but he he works with a solid base coat. Um, so metallic colours are great, but they they look at their best um, when they have a really strong base coat. So actually, what I found is because you you basically play with metallic flecks in the paint, you want three thin coats to really get the best from metallic colours. Um, so if you're painting a sword, for example, um, and then once you've got that, I did what he and just did the recessed washes. So actually, rather than, normally, I would always just wash the metal over one color um you know if i was doing silver paint silver wash it black that's it crack on with the highlights but what i've started doing now is doing just washing the bits that would be dark um so the kind of the the uh, on a blade kind of around the hilt and the the shallower parts and then doing that a couple of times adding some line washes spot washes literally normal straight out the pot has worked fine um, and it's created such a depth to the metals I've been doing. I've, I've been so much more happy with the way the metals look. Um, I've been doing exactly the same with um, with gold. Um, I mean, gold itself, uh, a great tip is per gold loves purple. 
Um, a purple glaze. The difference it makes is you can't actually explain by words how good it looks. The first time you do it, you're like, my God, this, this, why doesn't everyone talk about doing this? Like a purple glaze over, over gold just looks so good. Um, so yeah. I use a, um, I've used a, a purple and brown wash mix for gold before. Okay. Which is very nice as well. Yeah, so um, also gold, I mean, uh, again, you'd, a lot of the time you'd think of washing it brown. Um, mm. But um, Reichland Flesh Shade is phenomenal for gold, yeah. um, actual skin colour. So uh, going with what Rob said, even on a, on, a, on a much simpler approach, if you're looking at purely from the idea of just making the metals look as good as you can, washing and glazing them with colours you wouldn't normally associate to be the right ones work really well. Um, and obviously the GW metals range is very good as well, which would, which is which is ideal. Um, so treatments out of metals, I'm think, a big fan. Yeah, I think um, one thing, to, and it's more of like um, kind of like a, a technique, like a like an actual physical thing to do or not to do, is if you've got um, a, a metallic surface that's quite flat that doesn't have any raise a lot of raised details. Say for instance. Um, Stormcast breastplate, or you know some, something similar, then don't wash over the main part of it. Just target. Just don't slap. You know, if you want it, you know. Obviously, if you're doing an army and you want that effect, da, 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 you want it done quickly. Then yeah, all over wash is great. But if you're if you want to, um, you know, to the, like Matt said, the, the the targeted shades on areas like that, that will just make. It just mean that you're not having to layer back up with the metallics, yeah. and, and layering back up with metallics is the death because you don't the the least amount of layers you can get away doing metallics with the better because the the, the way the, the the paint works is you know it's um it'll just get claggy and uh, it's horrible so yeah and also do the black and white thing to check to see if your contrasts are high enough because. You, well, no, you, no, seriously, because because true metallics don't photograph very well. It's a good way of seeing if you've nailed the the darkest bits and the lightest bits as well. Is a good way of doing it because you're knocking by photographing in black and white. You're knocking the the sheen off the metal straight away. I've got a lot of time for um, true metallic yeah. metals as well, especially in the the current environment where um, I th- metal is very. I metal. think true true metallic metals done like. If, if a miniature done with true metallic metals done to the, you know, like, say, the, the best ever true metallic metal miniature painted against the, the best ever non-metallic metal miniature painted, true metallic one probably looks best every single time. Anyway. I'd agree with that. I, I think generally but, I can really appreciate a very nicely painted true metallic metal. Yeah. Awesome. Right, so next one um, from Samuel. How do you go about creating structure on cloth flesh? Uh, somebody's painting Archeon at the moment. Sorry, somebody. Samuel asked the question, he's painting Archeon. So what was the question? So how do you go about creating structure on cloth and flesh? So I think um, a simple example of that might be uh, the, the cross hatching is quite popular on cloth. Um, and um, you kind of got little tears and everything on leather i think yeah. that's what he's getting at okay so um 
there's two examples. Yeah, I think with uh, it's just I mean cloth is probably the one. I mean, well, yeah, I think there's a couple of really good examples actually, and um, Terry uh, with his uh, battle roll uh, painting entry. I don't know what the hashtag is. I'm sorry, Tom. But um, uh, it's like paint battle, uh, isolation paint battle. That's the one. So you can check check out that hashtag, and you'll see loads and loads of fantastic miniatures painted on there. Um, but one thing, you know, that it is it is quite a, you know, um, an in not an in thing because it's always, it's always been there, but creating texture on patch surfaces that don't have it sculpted in. Um, a lot, you know, we're, we're quite lucky with a lot of GW models these days where, you know, skin is, is very well modelled. Um, so there's plenty of texture there to, to get hold of. But, you know, you've got things like the stippling technique that creates a certain um, texture and, and layering to, to things like skin um, and either cross hatching on on the cloth. Um, one again, w- w- one really, really good example of it. Um, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm hope I, I think the last time I checked, the, the videos are still up. So get downloaded. You know, grab a uh, a YouTube downloader app, everyone, and, and download all of Darren's uh, videos. It feels like we're kind of sponsored by him, but we're not. You know, <laughs> he's, you know, it, it's just very, 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 very good videos. Knowledge is his bad. master, his his masterclass on the Blight King uh, character that he did. Um, I don't know if you boys have looked at any of those videos. Yeah. Did, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so there's uh, obviously a really good thing where he goes through the different stages of, of flesh and with cloth as well and armour, which is another one that, um, you know, is good to sort of add texture to, um, you know, especially stippling and stuff like that. If you, if you appreciate that kind of style, then so that's, a, that's a really good thing. Don't listen to us. Just go on YouTube and watch Dan Latham videos. Yeah. yeah. What I would say... What the fuck are you and, doing there? One thing, especially with skin, and, um, and you know, I know Ian has, has painted Glockkin without an airbrush, and so he knows, you know, that almost broke his soul. Um, yeah. But, yeah. like, almost ex- using elements on the model, because there'd be sometimes, I'm, I'm looking at the Forest Dragon now that I did as an example that's converted from the Dark Elf Black Dragon. There's There's parts of the skin where there's elements sculpted in, but only in certain patches. Yeah. And what you can actually do is use them as cues to perhaps like the ribbing in the, in the, in the flesh on, on the underbelly, you know, in certain sections, but perhaps not all of them. And, you know, if you're highlighting those sections that are sculpted in, just add a couple, you don't need to do, you know, you don't need to sort of copy that, and freehand a load of highlights where there isn't the sculpted detail, but add a couple of brush strokes to perhaps suggest that there are. Um, you see it on, you know, the, you see it on a lot of top end stuff where um, people have painted skin and they do almost like the little, just the little lines of like little flicks. I've done it a, a little bit with Bellacore where there's just little highlighted lines to almost accentuate the flow of the the model and the sculpt is it where it sounds a bit pretentious saying that but like where you've got a bit of a blank space you can almost add in a highlight that follows the contour of of the sculpt um 
So is it like a, almost like a line highlight where there isn't a line? Yeah. Um, and you yeah. see you you see it quite a lot on like you see it a lot on smaller models, you know, with especially like um, I think you see it on like things like um, blood letters and a lot of corn stuff. Um, you know, with the folds in the skin, and then there'll be an extra. You know, you see it on the heavy metal stuff where there'll be a fold sculpted in the skin, maybe on the hindquarters, but then there'll be another highlight next to it where there isn't a sculpted detail, but it just follows that. It kind of that follows that accentuation across. So there's little things like that you can do, and it's it's why you know that's why you see on the on the cloth where you see the little. You know, no one does a whole loin cloth unless you're mental, like fully crossed hatch, but you'll see. Like little, like that hints of it, you know, like little hints of it there and there, and and again, it goes back to what you said, Matt, about the blending. You know, your eye picks up on it. You think, oh right, okay, well that's that's got a bit of that. So you subconsciously think, well, the rest of it must be like that then, yeah. almost. You know, okay, there's enough it's, to draw you in. It's making something interesting for you to look at. Yeah. Awesome. Ian, anything to add? Um. No, I don't think so. Maybe um, the use of on the flesh, especially the use of glazes um, in areas which would naturally have shadows. Sure. But the only other thing to possibly add, where it can be, um, I tend to use under on like um, like like normal human type flesh um, use of like under the arms and like, sort of paper glaze and in sort of just to. It's weird, it's weird that it kind of breaks. It's normally it's quite light, but it's like the, the, it's not very noticeable. But the eye know, like it knows it's there without you actually noticing it. Yeah, and uh, it creates like almost like it becomes more 3D and realistic, and creates like the the natural what it what you you your mind tells you it looks natural. Absolutely. I mean, and uh, talking about washes and things and, and glazes on flesh and stuff is that's how you do your stubble effects. You know, if you're painting, yeah. something, you know, some a nice, grizzled a nice, or some space marines. Yeah, a nice flesh colour with some nice grey in. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you, yeah. can, you can be used as as simply as that. Um, yeah. Next one, this one, we Rom, uh, I know what Rob's answer to this will be. Um, so this is from Rich. Is it necessary... To sub-assembly. Sub-assembly. sub Depends. Um, yeah. Like with the with, with the horrors, um, none of them are sub-assembly because they're all, all they're all waving their arms about that, aren't they? They're like, blah, 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 blah. You know, they've got all their arms waving about. So there isn't anything where, okay. you know, like it's difficult to get to. Do you know what I mean? It's only when this stuff that's when you know when you look at you sort of dry fit a model together and think oh it's going to be a bit of a ball like like I mean the you know the the chiric acolytes are all assembled apart from the heads and shields yeah simply because getting behind the shields I know the sort of level of paint again it goes back to what sort of paint I mean, job you're happy to do if you're very much a classic aren't they yeah yeah and heads to a certain extent as well depending on the complexity of a model um but again, you know, like the dryads on my old army, all fully assembled because they were all, all their arms about and everything. And all the colonel. The kernel... If the arms are wiggling in the air, no. So somebody's not essential. No, exactly. Well, and the colonel hunters as well. They, they, you know, they, and so he's just basically looking at a model and thinking, okay, is that going to be a ball ache to paint? Yeah. You it... know, when it's all assembled. If it is, if it is, then 
you know, perhaps do a bit of sub-assembling here. You know, I, I always try, I don't do it for the sake of doing it. I'll do it to the, you know, if it only needs to be in two sub-assemblies and it'll only be in two sub-assemblies, you know what I mean? I don't do it because I've got some sort of weird kink for drilling tiny holes into things and sticking them to corks. Um, I think it's, uh, it's, sometimes it certainly does feel when people are sub-assembling stuff that, they've lost lots of plot i mean yeah. what i'm trying to think of the example so you talk about arms um and basically what you're talking about is being uh, elements of the models being accessible so a big part of that is a shield because that that's classic because a shield is designed to cover up the model so you want to get it out of the way um so you can access all the parts you want to paint and the amount of gillimans that i've seen where people have painted them creating them completely separately and i'm like but he's a completely open model like there's yeah the only only thing with gilliman head and the backpack maybe yeah because you want to paint the reverse of the backpack but other than that gilliman should not be sub-assembled well i've got that's coming from me an example i mean a mortec crawler is a big model so i've currently got that the whole core the whole model itself is a sub-assembly sorry is is glued together then the crew are separate and then there's the little hamster wheel that the guy stands inside. So that's all separate because there's no fucking way you're painting any of that when that's all built. So ultimately, no, it's not essential. It's a common sense approach. If it's going to make it more awkward to paint and get at certain details, do a, do a little sub-assembly. Um, a lot of the time, it's just not. If, it, if it's quite an open model, you really don't need to be worrying about sub-assemblies. Um, no. So yeah, it's just getting finicky details. Another example is Catacross. He's he's got a um, he's got a little bro, the little Aviox Spymaster. Um, he's actually got a bird inside a cage, and you you actually physically glue the bird inside the cage. And I'm like, that's yeah. that's that's sub assembly 101. Like that's that's yeah. not going any other way than that's how it's going to get. And I, I think um, you know, like I I actually get. You know, I you, know, you obviously do a bit of sub-assembling here and there and whatever, and the you know especially with complex conversions, maybe you know all the rest of it. You know, Bellacore. You know, I think the you know I got most ribbon for Bellacore because you, you know it was in about eighteen different bits. But even then, you know, there was elements where it was like, okay, well that that just would you know that needs to be on a sub-assembly. You know that because otherwise, you know, you're just never going to get to certain parts of it. Now, I prefer to have a model as, as stuck together as it possibly can be before painting it. That's just because I, I feel like, well, just because it feels like you're getting more done as well when you're okay. painting it. You're not fl- moving from one element to. Do you know what I mean? You're thinking, well, I painted the body, but then I've got to go and paint the weapon and all the rest of it. Where, yes, you're still painting the same amount of plastic, but because it's already stuck together, it, it's a lot. I find it's a lot, a lot quicker. Um, you know, so I, you know, I'd, I'd rather, you know, if I could, I, I wouldn't sub-assemble anything. But obviously, there's going to be situations where, you know, you, you know, again, it, it all depends on the level of the paint job that you want to get done and all the rest of it. And I know, I know some people, you know, you know, like the challenge perhaps of, of sticking everything together and painting them. But you know, there are there are certain things that you just, you know, if you want to get a, a certain level of paint job done, then you know, you, you've got to kind of do it. So yeah, um, I'm a fan of, um, you know, a fan, I'm a fan of of, of uh, getting the best paint job out of something as I possibly can. But you know, I'm certainly not going to do a sub assembly for the sake of doing it. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Agree. 
I, the only thing I'd add is that sometimes they sell assemblies are useful if you're painting something with um, like a quite a different colour in a large area. Uh, the th- example I'm thinking of is the Witchelf hair, which I sub assembly even though it's probably more than they need. So they just use a bigger brush and not so, worry about it getting all over the skin. Yeah. See, I, I actually find the hair was an interesting one um, when I did mine. And I only, I only did a basic, quite a basic paint job on mine, is that actually it was a major error um, I found for me to do so. Um, paint the air as, sub, sub, as a sub-assembly because all the hair is entirely unique to the models. So by the time I painted it all separately and glued it all together, it was a nightmare because they didn't go together properly. So I, yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, I made a note of which hair goes to which model. That's just, that's so, just too much. Good, because yeah, I, I put it on a... Um, I glued them onto... Like, it was five... So there's five different models essentially I times two when you said I put um, it onto something you're going to say I put it onto a spreadsheet <laughs> oh, no. oh. Um, I know I wrote the you know I, what a spreadsheet is oh I love a spreadsheet really um, yeah um, so I put um, I leave I, in the instructions I call them one to five right and I put them on a cork and put one to five on the bottom of the cork I will so say I which yeah I've done that before yeah. Fair mm. enough. That sounds sensible. Right, yeah. So sub assemblies, if if needed, but if it avoid them painting if the possible. Model, yes. Yeah. If you're doing it for the sake of it, no. What are you what are you doing? No. Um, so, next question from LLV. Um, I often hear you guys knock a bad and black. What are the issues with it, and what's your preferred black paint? Uh, I'll start. It's not opaque enough. It's it's just a, it's a dog shit paint. The pigment's not strong enough. Um, it's like pissy water. Um, <laughs> it, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's the it, dom of paints. It frustrates me more than anything that they've got such a shit black paint. Army painter matte black does 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 the job. It's dirt cheap. Comes in a dropper bottle. Job done. I mean, and I like GW paints. I will use GW paints as much as I possibly can. And my God, no, I'm bad in black. I don't know what on earth's going. On. I don't know why it hasn't been sorted. I keep going back and trying it. I keep buying the odd pot, and it's fucking terrible. Um, yeah, not a pigment, watery as piss. Um, I you like it. I quite yeah. well, I like it, Matt. Yeah, I use um, if I want to cut, paint something in black, I use army pink to black. Uh, but I use the bad and black a lot for um, freehand because of its watery piss-like nature. <laughs> It's a lot more forgiving. So you can just, uh, if, if you make a mistake, you can just get rid of it yeah. and uh, essentially wash it off with either a wet brush, like a clean brush, or a, um, sometimes just wipe off my thumb. And it doesn't leave like the black stain that the army painter always does. I mean, um, the thing that gets me is the number one thing I use black paint for is rimming bases. And it doesn't rim a base. It yeah. just melts my brain. I just don't, I don't understand yeah. what's going on. Yeah, it's 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 got its uses, but if you Rob, that's no, that sounded like a very interesting rant. So carry on. No, so do you know what? Like, stop it, I always stop it, read, quick. Uh, I, 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 and I still got quite a few of them. I'm looking at them now. I've got what about eleven or twelve of the colours left, and they're all in good nick. Um, Citadel Foundation paints. Yeah, I really like. I'm looking after, I'm really after a pot of Chardon, Chardon granite, is it? If anyone's got one. Good with that. I really like that. I really, that's, that's, an, that's an awesome colour. But, um, it always blew my mind that he didn't do a foundation 
white and black because they're very high peak they're very opaque yeah very high pigment do you know what i mean like and i think a citadel foundation black you know would have would have would have hit the spot but no army painter black is the way to go i have to go to the army painter stuff um i to be honest i use the contrast if i'm actually painting something black with with some detail so for example the crows um on my um on my bone reapers uh, i use two coats of a bad and black I, I, I find it great because it just leaves you that little hint of a, a blue tinged highlight on the edges um just works really nicely and then you can work, work from it from there have either of you used the new corvus black yet no i, I no. They keep on gw's paint it, range is fucking big enough corvus it, black yeah. is that is that a contrast is it no, no it's a base paint Bollocks, so they got a base black it's not. It's not black. I think it's very, very dark grey. Yeah, I think. I've heard oh, good things it? about it, but it's but, the same. They keep, they keep putting new paints out. Right? So I've got enough <laughs> money to keep buying them all. I had to do a restock yeah. of about hundred quid. It was one of the nicest new colours they brought out. It's a layer paint. Well, I've got a couple of them here, right? And they're right up my alley. So which one? You've got uh, Barracknar Burgundy. Christmas is a lovely colour. Uh, Phoenician purple is amazing. Um, a Vulcan green is like a like a sea like a deep sea green, and and then you've got Sons of Horus green as well. Yeah. So, oh, and they they're, they're lovely colours. I don't know what I'm going really to use them for. I just bought them because I like the colour of them. Space paint. But yeah, space paint. Space paint. silly. Um, <laughs> But no, yeah, so they're, 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 they're lovely there. Oh, they're lovely. Oh, we love them rubbing your knees. Um, yeah, yeah, so what was the question? Yeah, uh, it's it basically all comes down to the consistency. It doesn't cover very well. I don't think the pigment's strong enough. Um, it's fine if you want to mix it with other colours to make them darker. I think that's about its only use. Uh, yeah, it's good for that. Um, if I was going to glaze anything, I'd just use about the contrast, um, that tempire over that. Um, yeah, so, um, right, last question then. Um, so, exactly the same question, but for white. So, white, I, I find white scar such a tricky paint because I get pots that are fine and I get pots you know, that are just, a, it's like really lumpy. Yeah, it's just. I've, I've never had a good pot of but, white scar. But yeah, what do you think about the black, GW blacks? I think about the whites. Mm. They are shit. They are just shocking. Ceramite uh, white is is good if you if you no, it's not. it down slightly. No, it's that that goes lumpy as well in my experience. Yeah, there's there's definitely corax white, white is good. The new one. I've got a part of that. Corax white, it yet. it's good. It's good. I think it's just looking at the draw. I don't actually use any other whites. I just make do with the GW whites. I, I use uh, for everything. I use Vallejo foundation white. Right. I, and that is a very good all-rounder. Yeah. What I wouldn't recommend is uh, Vallejo Air White because it's a it's almost rubbery. <laughs> Doesn't take paint actually runs off it. So don't don't use that. I use that just as I went. Oh, I just use this as my top highlight, and I was utterly confused as what was going on with my models. <laughs> just yeah. Don't, yeah. The, the um, yeah, yeah. Vallejo Whites. Are, are, are Vallejo Whites aren't great. Yeah, it's, um... it's an interesting one because white was never one we really had a much trouble. Do you remember Smelly Primer? 
back in the day. Um, <laughs> see, I don't have so I don't have a product I would recommend from White. Um, and I think for me, it's mostly because if I u- if I am using black, um, I'm normally using black as it is straight out the pot, if you would. Um, however, with white, it's normally a colour that I'm adding to something else, so the consistency doesn't overly cause me any issues. Um, uh, I think on my Bone Reapers, I use white scar very in very limited numbers, and it does unfortunately go a bit porridgey. Um, I do. I've actually started putting agitators in some of my trickier GW paints after getting used to them with the scale 75 paints. Yeah, it's not helped. It has not helped at all. One thing, I mean, if you are look, I mean, it's a bit of, again, it's a bit of uh, an old thing now. But I mean, Cor- Corax White is more, it's it's kind of between ceramite white and Orthon Grey. It's well, obviously everyone knows it's on the it's the one of the base sprays now. But the actual part of it is still it's still really really thick and it needs a good stir. Um, but the consistency is good, and you know, I very rarely highlight up to pure white anyway it's all you know if if i will highlight up it'd be like a dot rather than a line you know like like it all like the same with the pink horrors the the final sort of main highlight is full green pink and a bit of white in it so yeah. like you said that the the consistency doesn't bother me as much um the only time that i'll use pure white is like i said on uh, it, well, on the on the horrors specifically, it's been on the on the gems and stuff like that. Just that that last little pure dot at the top, and you know, as long as you know, you know the actual consistency of paint doesn't really matter too much at that point. Um, so yeah, it's uh, you know anything hey. anything that I anything that I paint white and I'm using bunny is there um, is always a base coat of old Tom grey anyway. That's the base white that I okay. use, and because you can always, you know, that's that's a, that's a bit of a that's a GW thing as well. You know, that's the you know that uh, apart from like if you if you're painting like a high elf robe or something, or the specifically the skirts on the Kyric acolytes, they're they're a base coat of Ulthon grey, um, and yeah. then glazed down in the recesses, and then an, an edge highlight of white on those. I think that's the that's the GW white is actually all thorn grey a lot of the time. Yeah, it's hard to beat. I know I normally do three thinned coats of Orthon white. You you can do two, but I w- I just find that's such a lovely colour to work with. Yeah, it's you... love, I, I, they're great. I mean, the, you want to talk about GW's best paints? It's this this they it's their greys and off off what like off white colours. So like yeah. space wolf grey, Orthon grey. You know the the light fleshes like the uh, pallid witch flesh, deepkin flesh is a really good one as well. Um, so depending on the tone of what you're painting up at LV, then those are That's those are sort Tristan. of things to go to. Sorry, it's Tristan's white question. Um, oh, sorry. Pallid pallid is a paint I've loved for many years, but I found it is more often than not have I have the same issues with it that I do yeah. with um, the other whites. No. Yeah, that that goes clumpy as well. I've had that, and it, but yeah, but it's a lovely. I can tolerate it because it's it's no other, paint it's, it's, it's no it's no easy. Well, yeah. I don't think it's it's not the stirring. It just goes. Yeah. I don't know. It's almost like it reacts with the air, and it just becomes clumpy. 
it's a real shame um, because I do I do feel like these these issues have existed with these particular colours of paints for a while, and they've just not not been addressed. It's the same with the quality of GW's actual paintbrushes, uh, the ones they sell for detail. They're they're, they're not very good, um, or that they just don't travel very well and they get damaged, and they're just not addressed. And it's it's a real shame that some of their core um, hobby supplies they just aren't getting fixed. It does bug me. Yeah, which is a shame because you know if if they were, you know if they if they all work. Like I've I've tried. I mean, the the, the, the shame was is it, it seems like especially with like the um, like I've got a pot of skull white still here in the old hexagon pot, yeah. and that I'm just looking at it now. It's still actually it's like fucking meringue it was alright a couple of weeks ago <laughs> Some, something's happened to it it's fucked ladies and gentlemen you wait we've got that we've got warm weather coming in now like pff, clean out the seals yeah. on your paints now because otherwise they're going to die over this over this coming heat wave to us. last yeah. year was horrific I don't want to actually it's not too bad. I'm just checking it's not too bad just li- live yeah. on air paint checking with Rob Ellis <laughs> Told you, man. Spring watch, nerd watch, paint watch. <laughs> but yeah, so if anyone does actually yeah. have any great recommendations for a um, out the pot white that doesn't have any of these problems, they'll be very warmly received. No cheating with off whites, though. You know, we we know we've got Uthwan and things. Maybe Corax will be great. I'll give that a go. Um, but we're a pure pure white, straight out the pot. Can we use part of your repertoire? Works well. We want to know. I tell you one thing with. Um... What, and going, it, it slipped my mind until I actually glanced across to my other little part of the hobby area. Is um, as far as uh, what you're saying about consistency of a paint and not reacting when when you sort of thin down, and, and the actual workability of the paint, I guess, is, is probably a good word, word of using. Um, is the actual? I know a lot of people because I think Scale Seventy Five do them now as well. But they do paint like paint acrylic paints you can get in artist tubes. Okay, yeah, I've seen that actually. Um, and like where they're really high, like the pigment levels are through the roof because they're like proper artistic, you know, artists fuse on canvas and stuff. Um, uh, I know I've got I've got a white and it's actually a Windsor and Newton white. They um, I think I when I got my last set of brushes. Um, where I got them from, chucked in a red, blue, and a white, and like the red is like proper the cadmium, like like cadmium blue, isn't it? Like the like the blue is like the bluest blue you'll ever see, and the red is the red. Yeah, and and like it was, I've used the white a little. I tested, I tested it, and if it, I mean, if it's acrylic, then I haven't, I haven't given it a good old go, but I'm sure maybe something like that. Because I know a lot of the um, a lot of guys, like people like um, a lot of you know, some of the podcasts I listen to, some of the high end painters, they use a lot of like the Dela and Row. Is it Dela and Rowley? I think so. Yeah. Like, inks and stuff um, for like in, you know for blending, especially with airbrushes and things like that. When I when I was listening to stuff, sort of getting tips on that. So actually, using using artists acrylics might be a way to go for real real high pigmentation, and obviously you'd be able to use like. You know, lamy medium and water and whatever to get them down to a, something that you perhaps use for on a miniature scale with the thinner brushes, but that might be a way to go. I'll test some out, maybe. 
and give feedback. Yeah, that'd be great. Get some white recommendations. We've got black, like army paint. Maybe, I've, to be honest, maybe we should do the simple approach and just go order some the army paint of white. The black's good. Yeah, yeah, maybe. See what it's like. Awesome. Defo. That's, that's it for Lyft's questions for now. So what we'll do is next episode we'll get together and have a, a usual round out, round up. Um, and who knows, by then maybe we'll, life will be getting a bit more back to normal. Um, and then we'll continue this format. I, I like doing the listener questions, kind of get, get a batch in. Uh, that last one's for, well, from January, I think. So we, we can get some more. And yeah, that'd be cool, I think. So interesting yeah, yeah. to listen to. Are we, all, are we all good? Are we going to add anything about uh, the reveals on Saturday? Or we'll leave that to the next episode. Everyone's bored by that now, aren't they? Everyone's bought Giants, yeah. um, which is cool. I've, you know, I'm up for a nice zane. I love the look of that, that, that canine shadow what's it? Yeah. So oh, they're phenomenal. They, they are the, some of the best models in, yeah. like, ever. Yeah, I think... I don't... They're like... I don't think there was anybody that had a negative. And this is, this is. Um, I don't think I mentioned it, but one of the things I was in the back of my mind with uh, the Realm Lords coming out is like, yeah, they're cool. Not really my cup of tea. Everyone's, you know, and they've got really, they've had quite, now more's been revealed for them and people are getting more of a feel for their army. They're getting much warmer reception. And I'm still sat there going, yeah, but ain't no Dark Elves, so is it? Like people did this with, with High Elves and then Dark Elves came out and just floored it. <laughs> floored everybody with the sculpts and the models they're just way cooler aren't they let's be honest so when we yeah. get malaria it just reminds me it, it, it's, it's well, yeah i mean if, if... and they canite and yeah. the marathi's yeah. crew yeah but don't forget yeah. Does, don't yeah, think is, can, you, you, you don't know do you do you know what I mean like you, you don't know like i think um you'll have you'll have uh because they, they've got they i mean they're obviously of, of the same design aesthetic as the mist weaver in, as far as some of the sort of trinkets and the iconography on the models and that blank sort of face mask and stuff like i'd be very surprised if there wasn't you know because because uh you know there wasn't a link between perhaps them and the the aesthetic of the shadow elves and i mean regardless they're they're phenomenal models and um yeah if, uh, like matt said the uh the bad boys are always cooler aren't they Really, as much okay. as you know, all, all the sort of extra reveals from the Lumineth have really, you know, I'm, I'm not all in on that army. Um, I'm sure, um, you know, my heart was always, you know, elves of, of oh, both go. sorts. Here we go. Here no, we no, go. no, I, well, no, I, I, I had, I had dark elves. I, you know, I was there with the with the original eighth edition bandwagon when they completely did, redid the range. I, um, yeah, spent far too much money at Element Games when that that. Uh, Release dropped, and then I didn't get around to painting them and sold them all to Adam Bassett. So, um, brilliant, yeah. It's uh, you know, it, it, who, uh, yeah, who, who, um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the, the design if they if they do, uh, you know, an evil, you know, well, it's just gonna be exciting, isn't it, to see what they release. So, I think the giant kits look cool, not my tea, I've never really been a destruction person, but. I can appreciate yeah. a good-looking model when I see one. So, yeah, it's there. Yeah, very impressed with the giant kit, but it just looks like a nightmare to paint. That much, that much flesh without an airbrush sends shivers down my spine. <laughs> <laughs> By an airbrush, mate. Yeah. Awesome. Right, well, I think that's enough of nice in, inane ramblings for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, two, three weeks, we'll get back on the air again and... Uh, 
we'll have a, a bit of a catch up and chat about what's been going on talk about the new reveals and hopefully like I said things might be about a bit back to normal I guess yeah hopefully well everyone stay safe out there yeah. and uh, keep up with your your, your hobby and, and everything and uh, like I said we'll hopefully see see a lot of you at uh, an event sooner rather than later and, those, you know, those, those first events back are going to be just amazing love fests and carnage yeah it's going to be amazing it's going to be so cool no, we're all still here when the, the first bit of sugar <laughs> I can't wait and you know hopefully everyone is staying as safe as they possibly can be and if you are on the front line or if you're key working and do you know do stay safe you know, do look out for people and uh I look forward to catching up with a load of, load of you know, load of people at the next next event. Hopefully, you know, yeah. blackout is still a thing. Um, you know, I'm sure, given the, the, the timetable, it should be should be back on. And uh, yeah, look, look forward to seeing everyone. Definitely. And uh, a final shout out as well is if you fancy a little bit of reading, a little bit of light reading um, over this period, you want to lift some pretty, pretty models. So we've got, I don't really give it that many shout outs. I think a lot of people are aware of it. We're doing me, Chris, um, Aaron and Paula coming to the end now. We're on our last month uh, of Fetty 2 from Ember to Inferno 2. Unfortunately, not been able to do any gaming because of what's going on. So we've actually decided we're, um, after all this, we're going to do a proper Firestorm campaign could play all the way through it with the armies as intended out of the box um so we've got blog posts up on pro painted studios that's my website dot co uk go and have a little look and you can have a little read and look at some pretty fit, pretty pictures so yeah there you go that'll keep you busy during the uh well it's been 10 minutes of your life and you're at home in your slacks watching a bit of crap tv your missus has got geordie shore or some god awful program on geordie shore this isn't 2010 oh, i'm sure it's still going probably Anyway, on that note, on on a on a note of Geordie Shaw, um, yeah, goodbye. Hopefully, uh, be out again in a few weeks. Bye bye. Speak to you soon, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye.